So, are you DTFF? Once again, here is Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football with your hosts, Dustin Lunt and Jake Trowbridge. Hey, welcome back to the show, everyone. If you don't already know or happen to be in an altered state of mind, you are listening and catching the DTFF podcast. Uh, we are streaming live in your earballs and your eyeballs. If you're uh, watching us Yo. here uh, on YouTube, go check us out uh, if you are not, because it's a lot of fun here. Uh, we always have a lot of good chat, so hopefully uh, that doesn't let us down after that endorsement here uh, to start the show. But, oh, God. Uh, I know, I know, it's a rough start already. Before we get into it, Jake, my co-host with the most, how goes it? It goes well. You know why? Because not only are we two weeks of NFL action in, but we as Packers fans got to experience a win, which was uh, important to me this week. And even more important than that, though, I was not on a trip. I got to enjoy seven hours of commercial-free, uninterrupted yes. red zone action with you. And that is how I uh, consider the true kickoff to the season. Yes, it was fucking delightful, I have to say. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Sunday night games for my my hometown team here of the Packers, uh, but it was fucking great just watching the red zone all day long. It was a beautiful day, nice and warm outside. We had moved the TV outside. Uh, it, was, it was excellent. Couldn't have asked for a better football Sunday. And we what a slate right. of games those uh, early games were really fucking fun. There was a lot of action. I mean, I missed the first five minutes. And by the time I got <laughs> out there, you're like, man, look at all the shit that's happened in these games so far. It was pretty outrageous. But, you know, we deserve it. We deserve Absolutely. the good football action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We sure do. Well, speaking of good football action, uh, we're going to be doing a kind of a two-parter here this week and next week of episodes entitled Real or Mirage. And basically, we, we've seen some great performances to date, which is what we're going to talk about this week. Are we going to expect this to happen? Or is this just a mirage and we feel like these players are going to fall off? So we're going to focus on the, the high flyers this week. Next week, we're going to come back. Guys that have been underperforming, kind of been duds for us so far, and revisit the topic. But on the flip side. That's right. On the flippity flop. And I personally like to give the underperformers an extra week to sort of catch up. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel better about attacking them next week. You know, we can wait a week to kind of let some things shake out. But mm-hmm. I'm excited for this week's because we get to talk positively. Yes. And I mean, it might take a turn to negative town just depending on how we feel rest of the season. Um, but it's nice to talk about the good things that have happened. That's right. That's right. But before we get into it, uh, Jake, let's talk about quick here what we're drinking, and why don't yeah. you lead us off? You left this beverage in my fridge, and I'm very glad you did, because I didn't drink it during the Red Zone action. It was too warm for me to drink an Oktoberfest, but you left me a Great Lakes Oktoberfest, and God damn it, you know what? I We talked about it on Sunday. This season, this window to drink Oktoberfest, it's so limited. That mm-hmm. you really got to go go all in for it when you can. So I'm excited, and it goes down real nice. Yeah, that is a tasty one. Uh, I had to go to the back of the beer fridge uh, to find a cold beer. So <laughs> I've got uh, Door County Cherry Wheat, which I think is very seasonable for this time Ooh. of year. 
Absolutely. Dork, Dork County, you couldn't have had this one last week? Man, I just got back from Dork County. I, well, it would have been we the were, perfect transition. We were sharing beers last week, so. That's true. That's true. We went solo this one. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I had to attack you over that. But uh, do you it's, like it? It's fine. I do. Yeah, I've had it before. Uh, Lex is just kind of a leftover back of the fridge that kind of got lost in the shuffle. But yeah, it's a good beer. I like it. Solid. Dork County. Good job. Way to go, Door County. Mm -hmm. Well, without much further ado, do we want to uh, go ahead and venture into our favorite segment? Mm -hmm. Let's do it. Drunk, 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 hammer, drunk, 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 trade of the week. Before I get into the actual drunk trade, I do just want to ask once more. If you're listening and you have a drunk trade that you've made, look, it's a couple of weeks into the season. Maybe you've already had to uh, go topsy-turvy with your team, uh, like I might have to do. Please let us know that. Submit those at Drinking Fantasy on Twitter. But in the meantime, we have another one from Reddit, Dustin. Mm -hmm. Craft Brood is their handle. So we can appreciate that. Uh, they're saying, I was drunk on my honeymoon two years ago, when CMC got hurt. This is the first injury to CMC. The first right. significant injury. Another manager immediately reached out with an offer, and we went back and forth until we settled on CMC and C.D. Lamb for Tyreek Hill, James Robinson, and Logan Thomas. Dustin, I'm going to stop at this point and tell you this is redraft. So, very important. Mm-hmm. They say, my team was dead in the water, but that trade gave me life and took me to the playoffs. Sometimes, drunk deals work out. So, Craft Brood sent away the injured CMC and rookie, then rookie CD Lamb, for Hill Robinson and Logan Thomas. Hill was amazing. Uh, finished wide receiver two that season. James Robinson, that was his big breakout. Mm -hmm. He was RB7, I want to say, in PPR. And Logan Thomas did his damn thing. That was his breakout. Uh, season. So all three of those pieces looked great. I don't even really want to talk about the trade right now, Dustin. I want to talk about this first sentence. I was drunk on my honeymoon. So you're on your honeymoon, right? Mm -hmm. Are you paying attention to the uh, to the alerts? You're far enough removed from your honeymoon that I well far enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it's an interesting thing. I mean, getting drunk on your honeymoon. Totally cool. Whatever. You know, it's your honeymoon. You're supposed to be celebrating. Uh, there you go. But yeah, I'm checking your phone. I mean, for one, why did you plan your wedding slash honeymoon during football season? I mean, that was a rookie mistake right there. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Speaking of somebody who did that exact same thing last year in week one, I, I'm going to withhold comment uh, on that. But would you, would you be, I mean, yeah, would you be thrown out? trades or accepting trades or going they went back and forth they said a lot of back and forth here right you doing that on uh, your honeymoon? why not it's not i mean if you're doing a honeymoon like at an all-inclusive or a resort or something where you have a lot of downtime we're just kind of laying by the pool or or whatnot you're just kind of wait or like say it's like vegas or something or la where like you're just kind of wasting the day away until the nightlife kicks in so you just got some downtime it's like yeah why not check the phone pop on it See what's happening. 
That's fair. Now, as long as you're not doing it, you know, like mid-coitus. I think that, no. I think that's the part where you have to really stop and reconsider what you're, yes. what you're doing. I, I agree 100%. I'm glad we could both find common ground on that. No no mid-vinegar strokes trades. No. Um, although, I mean, come on. How how compounded would your joy be if you, <laughs> you made a really good one like this during it? I, I don't know. I guess I can't judge. But I don't want to talk about this one. So the actual trade for redraft, I don't care. We all know what happened. It was great. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy who traded for CMC—it's a bummer. I guess. Know. I guess I was just curious. The only thought I had was, I know CMC was injured, and we didn't realize probably at the time that he was going to be out the entire season, or miss what essentially was the entire season. I don't know if I would make that trade without like a definite like, okay, CMC is going to be back in like three weeks or four weeks in time for the fantasy playoffs, whatever. I just don't know that I would I would personally pull the trigger on something like that. Meaning especially you would not have traded for CMC in that situation. Yeah, and giving up Tyreek and James Robinson and Logan Thomas had a good season that year too. I mean, as far as tight ends go, it wasn't like a top three tight end, but I used very serviceable that year. So it just seems like giving up a lot for for that, I guess. I don't know. But it's redraft, yeah. so like you said, it's just, just, a, just interesting uh, observation on my part. It is, and I will say this was so in 2020. This was week two, three. This is when CMC got hurt, so mm-hmm. it was still early on in the season. And maybe you know they weren't a believer in James Robinson for the whole season. Right, they weren't a believer in Logan Thomas for the the whole season. I mean, Tyreek Hill at that point still feels like maybe a lot to give up, though, if you don't know mm-hmm. that CMC is coming back. So to that point, and CeeDee Lamb was was unproven there. But right. for, I want to look at this for Dynasty. Let's assume that this was Dynasty still real quick. I, which side of this are you honestly taking at this point? Like now? I, well, just knowing what we know after the first couple weeks of the season here, I would probably take the Tyree, James Robinson, Logan Thomas side. But, I mean, it's not a bad... I mean, it's it's kind of even. I mean, CMC, right. we're expecting to do big things this year. CD has been underperforming so far, but could turn it around at any given moment. I mean, he's got all the talent in the world and all the skills. So, I mean, overall, it's a fairly fair deal, I would say, for uh, Dynasty purposes. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I think, um, I mean, two years ago in Dynasty, I, I think we're probably going to have a different answer. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. <laughs> You know, James, we're going to talk about James Robinson later in this episode, so I did kind of want to pull this one out to highlight him just a bit. Um, but we will, uh, yeah, we'll move on to him. We'll probably talk about, eh, we, we'll probably talk about CD Lamb next week. Let's be honest. Uh, we'll see what he does in the meantime. But mm-hmm. that was a fun one. I liked that. Was. That, that was fairly even mm-hmm. uh, for us, so unusual. But, folks, more drunk trades. Please. Please. This is my official announcement. All right. (laughs) So before we get into the main event here, uh, we have a beer bet payoff. Jacob. Yes. Uh, The beer bet last week was yours that you threw out there. It was the Atlanta backfield versus the Rams backfield in total PPR points. And you took Atlanta. I took the Rams. Correct. 
I, I, my Rams doubled up on your, your Falcons here this week. Atlanta only had nine combined fantasy points. LA, I mean, let's be honest, 18.9, uh, with that backfield going against that team, not what you were hoping for. Uh, but I still won the bet and that's all that matters in the end. So I think you have something to do and say. Yeah, I sure do. Uh, you know, I I blocked this out of my memory before, so I, di- I didn't bring up a shot. So I'm just gonna do this extra beer that I brought. Luckily, I brought an extra one. We're gonna we're gonna do a chug just for you. Oh, let's just go to... back old school. I love it. We're gonna yeah, we're gonna take this one back to the old school. You are an amazing fantasy football prognosticator slash genius. Cheers. Thank you. It like a champ, it's taking it like a champ. Oh, yeah. look at that! It's still cold. I <laughs> normally would warm these up. I forgot. Woo. <laughs> That's gonna be some brain freeze. Woo. You know, there's actually a tiny bit left. Of... Now, now you're good. Now, now you're good. Got oh, it. Oh, I didn't, I didn't want to cheat you there. Wow, that was impressive, Jake. <sighs> I, I like it. Good job. <sighs> Good job. I'm going back to shots next week. Or I'm just going to get better at our beer bet this week. We'll see. Only time will tell. We'll see. I don't know. I got a good one queued up here, just so you know. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. No, no, it's a good one. I think you'll like it. But anyway, yeah, that's later on here. So on to the main event here. Talking real or mirage. Players that have been producing extremely well for the first couple of weeks of the season. Is this something we expect to continue and continue this fantasy greatness? Or do we expect it to taper off and maybe come back down to planet Earth and be what we expected maybe to start the year? So let's let's have you start off, Jake. Yeah, I would like to uh, venture into quarterbacks. I mean, because it's been weird. So mm-hmm. far in the quarterback landscape on both sides of the coin. Again, we'll, we'll talk about the flip side next week, but it would be egregious to not mention Carson Wentz today. I mean, this motherfucker comes out Washington. Everybody, and I mean everybody, had written him off. I had certainly had said, you know, basically here's a, Here's a mediocre fantasy quarterback that we just hoped provided enough of a boost for his wide receivers. Mm-hmm. That's all I was looking for. I wasn't looking at him as a fantasy asset in any way. So he ends up being quarterback four at this point. What's interesting about Carson Wentz is he is spreading the ball around a lot. So there's multiple guys on that team, and we'll talk about a couple here uh, as well that are being really elevated by Carson Wentz. Maybe not the ones that you thought. Maybe not the ones that you hoped. Terry McLaurin, you know, kind of not really there <laughs> as of right now. I was personally not super in on Terry McLaurin, so it doesn't hurt me one bit. But him elevating Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, Antonio Gibson, for that matter. He is really helping out Antonio Gibson, which, again, what the fuck, man? This Washington team, this Washington offense, has just looked, oh, my soul came up during that burp, by the way. 
but this offense has been outrageous. He's thrown for at least 40 attempts in both of his first two games. He's thrown for at least 300 yards and three touchdowns, at least in the first two games, playing against Jacksonville, Detroit. Now, the competition on the other side mm -hmm. has not been amazing. So we have to call attention to that. It's Jacksonville. It's Detroit. Detroit, though, in their own way, has become a pretty good team. Their defense just needs to match the energy of their offense. Mm -hmm. But either way, they'll have a real test coming up in week three against Philly. I think that's when we'll figure out if Carson Wentz and his crew are kind of for real and if he can keep all of these guys really elevated. I am erring on the side right now. Like Carson Wentz has not been an automatic waiver pickup for me. Mm -hmm. Justin, is he a guy where if you need a quarterback, you're like, get me Wentz? I, I think like if you ran into like the Dak Prescott situation where your starter's out for a, a length of time here, I think Carson Wentz can be an okay fill, and he's always been decent for fantasy. I mean, he's never been that top tier, not at a top five quarterback by any means, but he's always done decent as far as fantasy purposes goes. Maybe real life football, he hasn't been that great, but uh, so yeah, I think he's a fine villain. I don't expect him to keep up this ripping pace that he started off the season with, though. It is a ripping pace. And the multi-touchdown games, I mean, that's mm -hmm. what's really buoyed him to this point. I mean, not that, you know, his overall yardage has been bad, but that's bound to come back. Like, I don't know the next time, looking ahead to their schedule, they get Philly, they get Dallas. Tennessee, I think, is going to be another game. It's, it, it's not that they have a terrible schedule for the long road. It's just, like, temperate for this mm -hmm. next couple of weeks because and then we'll see like can he handle the adversity again because he is right. a mental case sometimes uh perhaps more than most quarterbacks so i'm not banking on it just real quick would you rather have with the news that trey lance is out for the rest of the season unfortunately poor run out for i know guy i really like this year but jimmy garoppolo or carson wentz rest of season who would you rather have Rest of season, I think I would probably take Jimmy G. As gross as that sounds, uh, I just I like the weapons on that offense a little bit better. And with the running back situation, the way it is in San Francisco right now, it's going to yeah. kind of force them to pass the ball more than they probably want to. So that's why I would I would say Jimmy G. But it's, it's not mean, like it's Debo. He's just going to get like 15 rush attempts per game now and everything will sort itself uh, out. I hope not. <laughs> you wait, you don't want. Come on. You love the dual threat. I um, do. I just don't want to see him get banged up. I mean, he's not a running back that should be or he's not a wide receiver that should be getting 15 rushes a game. Like, yeah, no, that's fair. Tough dude. Just no. And I don't want to see that. Yeah, that's fair. So for me, I think uh, Wentz is a bit of a mirage. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think Same. he's, he's going to have more utility than I thought he would coming into the season, just not nearly to this level. Mm -hmm. All right. Who do you want to talk about here? Who do I want to talk about? I want to talk about Antonio Gibson. Uh, starting the year as... I know. Same team. Can't help it. Uh, RB11, though. Now, I think going into the season, no one expected this. Let's be honest. We thought Brian Robinson was going to be the the lead back there with Antonio Gibson maybe playing second fiddle there. 
Obviously, the unfortunate injury, you know, changed things. I don't think anyone still expected Antonio Gibson to be a top 12 RB after the first couple weeks of the season. Uh, I do think this is a bit of a mirage as well as for the same reasons we just talked about with Carson Wentz. They had kind of an easy schedule to start the year. Uh, but but it has been encouraging to see his usage so far and the fact that he is in the top 12. Um, you know, I think we can expect higher than we thought going into the season. Uh, he could end up, you know, out just outside the top 12, maybe RB 13, 14, right around there, uh, assuming that his role stays what it is for the rest of the season. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen here. Um, once these defenses start getting a little bit tougher, is JD McKissick going to be more involved uh, just out of the passing game because they're going to be in more pass, you know, long passing situations? Uh, Brian Robinson, he's supposed to come back here. Uh, will that actually happen? Will he be what we saw, you know, leading up to the season and, and training camp and stuff? We don't know. So a lot of question marks here, but I think if his role stays the same, he could be a high end RB2 for you. Uh, by season's end. Yeah, I I feel foolish for having written Gibson off. Okay, I'm as long as along with basically everybody else because we were listening to these reports coming out from their coaching staff mm-hmm. saying they don't believe him, believe in him, and then he's the kick returner and he's playing with the third string offense over training camp. And you go, well, you have to listen to the team. Uh, so I really do wonder if it was all because of the Brian Robinson issue or mm-hmm. if that was a little bit of a motivational tactic that the right. coaches were using with him. I, I don't know, but I fell for it. Um, but I, I mean, the nice, I, nice thing, the nice thing you like to see is he's been getting six targets a game, uh, uh, which is fucking great. Like if that keeps up, I mean, that, I mean, this, this, he could be the real deal. I mean, let's be honest. If this continues for the rest of the season, this could be real. Although I'm, I'm hedging my bets and, and saying it's, it's a bit of a mirage. Yeah. I think this level is a mirage too. I would agree that fringe RB2 is still what I would expect him to be the rest of the season, which is still very, very usable and somebody that you need and want on your team. But Carson Wentz, as we just talked about, had so many passing attempts these first two weeks. So, yeah, and he's spreading it around, and so Gibson gets six targets. As his passing attempts naturally come down, Gibson should be one of the first ones to see those targets, I think, personally. Mm-hmm. And this is just a good segue into who I want to talk about next, because we are going to we're gonna hit on one at each position for this team and only this team, which is outrageous. But <laughs> I want to talk about Curtis Samuel, who is wide receiver eight right now for Washington. Here's where I want to break the streak, though. I'm going to tell you off the bat, I don't think this is nearly as big of a mirage as those other two, as Wentz and Antonio Gibson. I believe that Curtis Samuel is finally being used the way that Washington wanted to use him once they had brought him on board in 2021. We just didn't get to see that because of his injuries. But he's had 20 targets Mm -hmm. over the first two games, which is massive. He's also been utilized in the rushing game a little creatively. I think last week I called it Debo Samuel Ultra Light. I stand by that is not Debo Samuel, but the creativity is 1,000% there with him. His offensive snaps, 89% in week two. It felt like they eased him in week one even. 
and that was a, a massive point scoring opportunity for him. But he just got more involved last week. And although the targets, you know, oh, they dipped from 11 to 9. Oh, boy. They're using him around the red zone. I love that. I don't expect that to go away. When Brian Robinson comes back, I think that makes Gibson suffer more than Samuel. You know, Samuel's going to just be used sporadically in the backfield. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's not his main deal. And I really, I, I prefer him to Terry McLaurin rest of the season. I really do. I Terry McLaurin is in a really good receiver. But Curtis Samuel is getting the usage and the creativity that I want the rest of the season. He's my Robert Woods-esque, maybe, is a better comp there for Curtis Samuel for me. Okay. I don't know that I agree with you 100% on it, but I love the logic behind it. Uh, yeah, his utilization so far has been fantastic. Uh, those 20 targets, uh, I mean, that honestly shocked me because I was not aware he was targeted that much so far. Um, so it, it could be, but for him to finish top 10, I don't I see know. A, I see a path for it. The, there I, is I'm a path for it. calling it. I'm not calling it. Yeah, he's top 10 rest of the season. I would be absolutely shocked, though, if he is any lower than wide receiver 20, as long as Carson Wentz stays decent. Mm-hmm. I really do think that that's his you know, proximity there is, is wide receiver 20. In fact, I would beer bet that he won't fall below wide receiver 20 by season's end, if you wanted to go that way. I'm just um, Why not? I, I think you're probably right. I think 20 is a good line. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Why not? Let's have some fun Let's with it. Do it. Let's freaking do it, man. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll, I'll put this one in. Do you want to continue the quadfecta and talk about Logan Thomas just to get do it I, off the plate? I just want to. I just. We could do a quick yes or no. It's just. It's kind of crazy. Okay, sure. Let's just do a quick, quick hitter. Logan Thomas, tight end, ten currently in full PPR. Mirage, he, not a mirage. Oh, not a mirage. I think that's real. I think he's going to finish top. He could finish top seven. Uh, as the season goes on here, especially like the things we've been saying, kind of mirroring with uh, Curtis Samuel and what we're saying with Antonio Gibson. As long as this offense stays doing what they're doing and Carson Wentz is slinging the ball around like he has been. I mean, the tight end is a wasteland. Uh, Logan Thomas was hurt last year, so we really didn't get to see him play at all. Uh, he was, I believe, top five his last healthy season. So there's no reason why he can't do that again. And we talk about it being a dumpster fire at tight end. I guess the question, you know, the overall finish, uh, he can be wide re- or tight end eight, tight end 10. That doesn't mean much to me, but is he somebody that you can start, let's say, most weeks and be fine? Just plug him into your position most weeks. I would say yes, as mm-hmm. of right now. Yep, 100%. Okay. Fair. Well, let's move on right. from Washington, mercifully. Let's talk about some other teams, Dustin. Who do you want to hit? I want to hit uh, Michael Thomas, currently sitting at wide receiver nine. Now, I will take an L on this one. I think this is real. Uh, he's come back looking like him old, his old self, uh, scoring touchdowns. Jameis and him seem to have a good connection going. Uh, I I think this is the real deal. He's he, he's finally back healthy after couple, missing these couple seasons uh, with various injuries. And he doesn't look like he's slowed down one step. So I think this is real deal. And uh, I am a fool for for doubting him. I, I Like I said, I will take a big L on this one. Hey, you and me both, man. 
I I didn't want anything to do with him as a top tier guy. I thought it was well, that's foolish. He's been out of football for basically two years, and now mm-hmm. you know his draft capital was fine. It became reasonable around the start of redraft season, you know, where you could get him in the sixth, seventh round, and so you say, yeah, if 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 he's the Michael Thomas of old, the Michael Thomas of you know 2019. I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought it. we saw a video of him coming out with his little catching videos that he mm-hmm. put out. And uh, he, he didn't look great. <laughs> and that's, it was an anti-hype video. And he got us all with that. What I'm curious about is do you think other players on that team will eventually come back to bite him a little bit? Because... Alvin Kamara was out week two. He was kind of dinged up even in week one a little bit. Chris Olave, the rookie, has looked really good. It's kind of mm-hmm. a downfield threat for the team, which isn't what I thought he would actually be. And then Jarvis Landry almost kind of looks like he's back from the dead, too, on the Saints team. Couple that with Jameis Winston apparently having some back injury issues. I don't know the full extent of that, but is there any part of you that goes, Michael Thomas is just coming out with a strong burst, and he's going to fade. But you're saying, yeah, I'm saying no, no. Uh, again, as long as Jameis stays healthy and throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. Although I think Taysom Hill or Ian Book, whoever would be their backup, Andy Dalton, Andy mm-hmm. Dalton, sorry, whoever whoever their backup is, I mean, you're going to throw it to your best players, and Michael Thomas is obviously one of those. So I'm, I wouldn't be worried about it at all. If Andy Dalton starts for this team, I would absolutely be worried for Michael Thomas and every other single uh, player. Maybe not Alvin Kamara, but every other pass catcher I would be terrified for if, if Dalton actually starts. But we don't have to think about that. Jameis has been playing through it. I'm mm-hmm. sure it'll be fine. But That's right. Yeah, I kind of, yeah, man, we fucked up. We fucked mm-hmm. up. I'm telling you right now on Michael Thomas. Hey, there's Toronto Dave in the chat. Two studs on a pod. Thanks, uh, that's Dave. The- that's the book that we're writing. Look for that uh, come spring of 2023. It's uh, fully, it's a children's book. Um, I did all of the the artwork for it. Um, it's tasteful, but there is nudity. So I just want everybody to know that. Uh, Dustin, I want to talk. I want to bring it back to quarterbacks for just a hot tick. All right. Because I think this is a pretty polarizing player for people going forward. Mm-hmm. It's Tua. Tagovailoa, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, who is currently at quarterback five in points right now. Obviously, that's going to happen when you throw for 450 yards, whatever the fuck he did mm-hmm. just this past week here. Miami went just, just bonkers oh. against the Ravens. And a lot of that, as people pointed out, yeah, there are some busting coverages that we're taking advantage of. And when you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle to make them pay for that, that'll happen. Mm-hmm. You can't take that away from him. He's still got the ball to him. He just happens to have great receivers that made his decent throws even better. Mm-hmm. Right? So are you in on Tua for the rest of the season? Let's put the baseline at quarterback one. I mean, our top 10-ish guy. Do you think that that's a possibility? Is it a possibility? Sure. Uh, especially from, I mean, if they can have offensive bursts like we saw this last week, yeah. 
Do I expect it? No. I think he's going to be maybe fringe top 12-ish, hanging right around there with Derek Carr and, and Kirk Cousins by the end of the year. I I, I do like what we saw. And I, I mean, could he be top 10? Yes. You got Tyreek. You got Waddle. I, I mean, they've got offensive weapons, and we saw what they can do. So could it happen? Sure. But that's not what I'm expecting, um, especially as teams get more more tape on them and, and what this offense is doing. They'll figure out ways to maybe shut it down a little bit and, and slow down the offense. So I, I would expect Tua to be that fringe quarterback one by the end of the year. All right, which is which is fair and which is still better than what people were projecting mm-hmm. him to be. Again, myself included coming into yep. the season. I just didn't believe that Tyreek Hill would give him that much of a boost. And I'm a stupid, stupid pants so far <laughs> for thinking that. You know, it this week, this is going to be a test. I said this about Carson Wentz against Philly, you know, the revenge game for mm-hmm. Carson Wentz, which I didn't talk about. But now Miami has to play Buffalo. And yeah, Buffalo be looks a... absolutely terrifying for mm-hmm. every quarterback. So can Tyreek and Waddle hold up? Like, this is going to give us a very clear indication. If those two boats can raise Tua, or, you know, if, if he's just going to get sacked a whole bunch, and then we're going to be like, oh, yeah, fuck Tua for the rest of the year. Because right. <laughs> we're a fickle community, if nothing else. We sure are. <laughs> All right. Who do you want to hit next? I want to hit... Let's go. Let's let's do Gerald Everett. You love the tight ends. You love I them. do. I do. Tight end four. While I do not expect this to keep up, I think he is a great option for you to start every single week. Uh, we we've just seen some slower starts out of some of the other uh, elite tight ends right now, uh, which I expect that to bounce back and and the world to align properly by the end of the season. But Gerald Everett was someone that I was picking up late uh, in drafts this year, especially in best ball, Um, and especially now with, what's his name? Keenan Allen, I got there, uh, with Keenan Allen being out, and I I think he's showing that athleticism and why they brought him onto that team, so he he's going to be a, a usable tight end every single week and he's going to have boom weeks here absolutely so but finishing tight end 4 i don't quite see that happening only because the the top flight tight ends are going to catch up eventually and and like i said all things will be right with the world maybe but who I guess who are we really considering top flight tight ends that is below him right now? I, I let's throw out a name to start. Kyle Pitts. Do you think mm-hmm. Kyle Pitts eventually gets back there and usurps Everett as his rightful place in the you know top Fordham there? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. So that's a good starting point there. I, I guess I am thinking Gerald Everett is as good of a dart throw as any tight end has mm-hmm. been. And because it is so fickle at that position, I I don't even know if it's crazy. You know, he scored a, a touchdown week one, 50-some yards, and then this past week got a big more chunk of targets, big more. God, I'm so good with words, <laughs> Dustin. But because of Keenan Allen being out, right, got a lot more targets and mm-hmm. had a decent yardage output. I, yeah, I think that could be the way for him. I don't, I, I don't know. Mike Williams also... Um, shined 
this week. Uh, I think this whole offense for the Chargers is just, it kind of hinges on some ribs of Justin Herbert, maybe. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. Tight end four, I think, is still reasonable because I don't know who the fuck outside of Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews to trust. And so, for me, that's fair. Be average, I guess. But I'm not confident. Right. Not not confident in it. That's fair. I want to talk about somebody that I am very confident in. So again, I want to spoil this. Amon Ross St. Brown, wide receiver four so far. (sighs) Is now a good time to admit? I'll admit this probably like once an episode from here on out. Did I just fucked up on the Detroit Lions offense? (laughs) Because I didn't see anybody here being... Super useful. The only person we kind of liked was Jared Goff. Well, you loved DeAndre Swift. I say you don't. Loved DeAndre. Swift. I would say don't give me this we stuff here. Just... Sorry, that's my bad. You you loved DeAndre Swift all off season. Yes. I'm the idiot who did not. But aside from him, it was real. We're like, but Jared Goff could be fine now if mm-hmm. he gets weapons. But fine, not being like you know quarterback six or whatever the hell he is. But I'm in Ross St. Brown. I just thought. We saw last year him thrive because who else was getting the ball? Nobody yep. was there. There was that nobody. Was the <laughs> it was it was him and Jamal Williams. They were the only two players that were out there, basically. You know, Hawkinson had his injury issues. DeAndre Swift obviously had his. The wide receiving core there was basically just Amon Ra. Even Quintez Cephas wasn't out there trotting around. So there was almost nobody in. It doesn't matter. Now, Everett, the whole gang's back together. He's wide receiver four. I mean, no, he, I don't think he's going to finish as wide receiver four, but I do have a lot of confidence in him as like an every week guy. Now, mm-hmm. would you agree with that? Absolutely. And I I think wide receiver four, that, that could be a ceiling for him. I mean, yeah. if this offense continues to produce like we've seen, and granted, they're going to hit road bumps along the way. I mean, they're uh, it's a dog, dog. Uh, you know, the uh, the defensive they've they've faced the first couple weeks here haven't been world beating defenses by any stretch of the imagination. Sure. But considering all the weapons are there and this offense is producing, I don't see why he couldn't finish as wide receiver four as long as this offense keeps plugging around like it has been. Uh, and he's going to keep getting that target share in that offense. Why couldn't he? Why couldn't he indeed? Uh, I want to put you in a really tough spot right now. Okay. Because uh, this is fun for me. <laughs> Would you, the rest of the season, who is going to score more fantasy points? DeAndre Swift or Amon Ra St. Brown? Admitting they're different positions, but fantasy points the rest of the season. Right. Um, just let me, let me. Oh, you got your little charts and graphs at the ready for strength of schedule and whatnot. Yeah, that's position. it. No, I'm just I'm just pulling up so far <laughs> the scoring um, and what we've seen. Um, I think it'd probably be I'd go with Amon Ra to have the more fantasy wow. points the rest of the season. I, I bet that's a genuine. Shocker. I thought I kind of teed you up and you're going to be like, well, it's still DeAndre Swift. I'm not a crazy person. I was all in on him. Really? So is it, and I mean, assuming full health for both players, of course. Obviously. But just like the target share, 
just the big play because you know DeAndre Swift has had some massive mm-hmm. plays himself, very efficient guy. I don't know any one particular thing that stands out. Uh, I think it's more of the target share. Um, Amon Ra's just, I mean, he's gotten 17 targets in two games already, which is a uh, great target share. Not Curtis Samuel level good, but pretty good anyways. That's pretty close. But uh, where, yeah, Swift has only seen five, um, or he's got five receptions so far. So, uh, I, you know, Amon Ra's just getting the targets right now. And, he, and he's got touchdowns, which really buoys him. And, and we all know that a pass is worth more than a rush in PPR. So, I mean, that that's really what the determining factor is. Yeah, that is very fair. I Yeah, Amon Raz, he's an immediate guy. You should just be really lucky that you got him mm-hmm. in the fifth round or whatever of your drafts and take that. Yep. All right, who do you want to hop to here? All right. And this will probably be the last one, don't you think, here? We'll move sure. on. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the last one I want to talk about is CEH. Currently, RB5. This one is a mirage. <laughs> I'm, mm. just, I'm just not even going to sugarcoat it. This one's a mirage. All right. I, I just don't see him continuing at this pace. He's had a couple of touchdowns, um, but his usage, you know, hasn't been all that great. Uh, and he's been involved in the passing game, which is nice, and he's had a couple passing touchdowns, but no no rushing touchdowns, um, and barely over 100 yards in two games, so it's not like he's getting the lion's share of the work. Uh, and he's, I mean, granted, he's seen more receiving work than we've typically seen, but I don't necessarily see that continuing as the season goes on. I think... Uh, just maybe just a function of how the offense has worked out these first couple weeks. Maybe getting used to these new wide receivers where they've dumped it off maybe a little bit more than they will as the season progresses. So I don't see him finishing anywhere near this by the end of the season. Anywhere near. I mean, that is interesting. We're talking about a running back who's gotten a total of 15 rushing attempts over the first two weeks in total. And he's RB5 without a touchdown, which mm-hmm. in his own right is kind of fucking bonkers, man. But, you know, it's not like he's had a ton of targets either. It's just been wildly efficient. The two-touchdown mm-hmm. game in week one is definitely a lot of what's right blowing this up. Uh, I do think it's really interesting that Jarek McKinnon is a non-factor. So, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of targets, yeah, three and four targets uh, in the first two weeks. but. It's Jared McKinnon not eating into that workload, which is something. Um, I do think that we talked about CEH having the 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 issues last year. What the fuck was it? Like a lacerated kidney or something? What was it? It was something I think weird. He has gallbladder or something like that, or appendix. It was, it was something like that. Yeah, that's the one. It wasn't an outright injury, but it was just something weird that kind of kept him mm-hmm. at bay. I think he'll be still good. But I agree, RB5 is outrageous with that kind of competition. I think both him and Travis Kelsey are going to take a hit once those wide receivers start to gelling a little bit more with Pat Mahomes. But I am in agreement with you there. Yeah, what would you say, top 20? Yeah, oh, absolutely. He could certainly be top 20. That's not that hard given the running back landscape mm-hmm. right now. But 
there's no, there's no more workhorses, Dustin. They're right. all gone. Very true. So I think anybody pretty much has that. Uh, except for, you know, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Both workhorses somehow with the Packers. <laughs> all right. I think that'll do it for for real Mirage for this week. Um, as yeah, I yeah. said on the outset, next week we'll come back with some underperforming players and talk talk the same thing from the different side of the coin, as as they say. So they do say that. I know. So let's move on. Week three, looking ahead here. Um, before we do that and we do our start of the week, uh, we have to review our starts of the week from last week. Do we have to? <laughs> yes. Yes, we have oh, to. Fuck. I know. We we don't we we don't only talk about our our greatness on the show. Yeah. We also talk about our misses and our suckiness uh, in this fickle fickle sport that is uh uh, uh fantasy football. Um so yeah, you had Darnell Mooney versus the Green Bay defense um with 0.6 points on the night. Uh, one reception for minus four yards. Outlandish. 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 Now, again, but, we were watching, we were watching this game, mm-hmm. right? And, and I, I rarely do this. I rarely want to bet against my NFL team for my own personal enjoyment mm-hmm. because it, one part of my, uh, life is going to, is going to hate it. Either my fantasy or my real life part is, is going to hate it. Uh, in this case, it was the fantasy part that hated it because I started yeah. him over uh, guys like Adam Thielen and Jerry Judy, which worked as fine for those ones. But in other weeks, that mm-hmm. would bite me in the ass. Yep. Yeah. And unfortunately for me, you had the better start of the week than <laughs> I did, which is saying <laughs> a lot. I mean, 0.6 points was the better start of the week. Um, yeah. Big whiff on my part. I had DJ Chark going up against the Washington football team they will never be the commanders in my book um anyway is it because of this bet is that why they refuse to be yeah zero targets zero receptions zero yards just a big giant fucking goose egg across the board Uh, he had four targets he did it's not like he wasn't looked at all game he had four targets it's just, I mean, everything runs through Amon Bra. Amon Bra. <laughs> Amon Bra. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we were not good on our start of the weeks this last no. week, but we are going to rebound this week. We've got some good ones queued up here. So, Jake, why don't you hit me and hit everyone else with your start of the week? Yeah, you bet your ass we're going to rebound this week. I, I will not allow. Uh, a second version of last week to happen. So I am going with Jacoby Myers versus the Baltimore Ravens this week. Jacoby is kind of the only game in town for me on the Patriots right now. I know Nelson Aguilar had uh, a couple of big plays last week, so people are a little bit excited about him again. Nelson Aguilar is to the Patriots as Quez Watkins is to the Eagles, but worse. And that they are big play guys couple of weeks, it'll be great. But the rest of the time, you have to rely on the solid dudes, which is Jacoby Myers in this offense. He currently has a 29.7% target share on his team. That is 13th highest amongst all receiving options, including tight ends. No one has, of that group that is higher than him, no one has had a better average depth of target either. 
except for Mark Andrews, weirdly enough. The point is, like, he's getting targets, and he's getting deep targets. And we saw Baltimore, we just talked about it with Tua and Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, absolutely crush him. Obviously, Jacoby Myers is not Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, but he is the most efficient guy on that team, and he's looked at that way by Mac Jones. That should continue. Baltimore allowed the most passing yards by far. Again, a lot of that from Miami, naturally. Um, but there's just no way. I, I kind of went safe this week, if I'm being honest. I said, all right, this is a guy who we know sees a lot of targets. Mm-hmm. And even if he gets 10 points, he's not going to burn your week. But his ceiling is much higher if he can finally find the fucking end zone again, which he only did like once last year. Uh, but I do expect against Baltimore that that's a, a reality or a possibility mm-hmm. at least. Yeah, I like that, and my fantasy squads would like that as well because I have a lot of Jacoby Myers uh, on my teams. My start of the week this week is Christian Kirk going against the Chargers. And Christian Kirk, uh, he has started off the season very, very strongly. I know there was a lot of questions about Jacksonville throwing out that kind of money to him, uh, but it turns out they had a plan and they are using him. And when they say follow the money, that's a, a good rule of thumb to, to follow. Uh, and, you know, we did expect this offense to take a step forward, which they have. Uh, granted, he is the lead, the team leader in targets with 18, but they are spreading the ball around. Zay Jones has 13. Marvin Jones has 11. Uh, so they are spreading it around a bit. But Christian Kirk is their deep option on that team. And he's been the one that's been getting the touchdown. He's already scored at least one touchdown in each game here. He's got two so far on the season. So he's he's the one that that's finding the end zone. And that's the player you really want. And against the Chargers, it should be a high scoring affair uh, going up against that Chargers offense. So they should be slinging the ball around a lot. And his utilization should continue this week. I like it. Christian Kirk is what I wanted Marvin Jones to be. To start out this year, so time to make that big pivot over to Kirk. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. I honestly, you know, you got to the show sheet first. Um, Christian Kirk was definitely on my radar as well. Again, crazy high, just you know, efficiency and target mm-hmm. share. So I love it both. In fact, if I had to pick one for upside, it would be Christian Kirk. But I do love Jacoby Myers as well this week. We're not going to beer bet our starts of the week against each other, though. We're saving no. that for this next part, which you get to pick. Which the beer bet for this week does include my start of the week in it. No fucking way. Yeah. Oh so, boy. So my start of my my beer bet is the Jacksonville wide receiver core versus the Chargers wide receiver core. <sighs> okay. Here's my only problem with this. You know when I did the backfields last week, it's basically two guys, right? The receiving core, are we talking only oh. wide receivers? Oh, I say, do you want to include tight ends? We can include tight no, ends. No, I don't want to include tight ends. My point is, it's 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 a lot of guys. There's a lot of receivers. There's only like two, maybe three running backs. No, we so can be talking this. about anything. Here's the deal. All right. There's only been four wide receivers on the Jags that have caught any balls or had any targets. And Jamal Agnew has only had two. So really, it's just been three. And then when you look at the Chargers, there's really only 
four guys that have had targets. You've got Mike Williams, DeAndre Carter, Josh Palmer, and Keenan Allen. And we know Keenan, and Keenan Allen Allen's is gonna be out. questionable. Yeah. So, And Jalen Guyton's had one target in two games. So, I mean, it's not like there's a crazy amount of different players getting targets. And and here's nice. where total here's total here's total wide receiver fantasy points by team. Okay. You've got the Chargers with seventy nine point seven, and you've got Jacksonville with seventy seven point seven. So only two points difference. Oh, wow! Over two weeks. That's actually much closer than I, yeah. I would have expected there, especially with it being a little bit more concentrated than I thought it was too. Right. So you know what? I'm going to change my tune on this. This is a good bet. I take it back. <laughs> Thank you for the context. That was very useful for me. Uh, yeah. Okay. I can get behind this. So let's see. Is this, is this, uh, this is just like a Sunday regular game? Nothing special uh, about this. It's not like a Monday night game or something. It is a 305 CBS game. Oh, the afternoon game. That changes yeah. everything. Um, does not. I'm just going to look at one quick thing before I make my decision. I'm pretty much locked. It is. It I is at. Here. It is in L.A. If that makes a difference, it 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 does. I'm going to go with the Chargers in this case. Okay. Yeah, I'm hoping for Mike Williams basically to exceed Christian Kirk is what I want, and I still believe DeAndre Carter is going to be a very useful guy in Keenan Allen's absence if he is truly out. So I'll go with it. All right. Woo. That is in the books. Now watch. It's going to be like a duel of the tight ends in this game. It's oh, going to be all Evan Ingram and Gerald Everett. Or so not take, Gerald Everett. You take the Chargers. All right. Yeah. So we I just want to make sure we got that in, in the books for posterity here. So We got it. Yeah. All right. I think that'll about do it for this week. Unless you've got anything else you want to add here before we sign off. Nope. Nope, just yep. uh, don't don't tilt too hard. I know we mm-hmm. gave some information about this. We try not to be too overreactionary. Yeah. So don't tilt. That's right. All right, make sure you guys are going out and gals, sorry, are going out and checking your waiver wires as people, as Jake just said, people will be tilting and dropping players like crazy. So uh, make sure you're going out and checking your waiver wires um, after uh, waivers run here. Uh, looks like we've got one question here before we uh, sign off. Yeah, you want to hit this real quick before we go. I just I would hate to leave Bungalow Joe mm-hmm. uh, in the chat wanting here. Says need help. I just got offered three different trades. Which one should I trade away? Lamar for St. Brown. Tua for CeeDee Lamb. Or to a and Deontay for St. Brown. Bungalow Joe, are we talking super flex, one quarterback? Mm-hmm. Is this full PPR? We do just need that information real quick. I, I have uh, an assumption in mind. So if you're looking to trade away, you're obviously trying to trade away a quarterback. You need some help elsewhere. Some receiver help. All right. So this is PPR, full PPR, and one quarterback. Dustin, does anybody jut out to you offhand here? Oh, um, if I had to pick one, oh, I get, uh, I, 
I, <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. I guess uh-huh. it would be Tua for CD. Um, although you want CD out of that, I, I would really want St. Brown, but I don't know about trading away Lamar for for that. Although mm-hmm. that would be a possibility, but then also giving up Tua and Deontay for St. Brown, that seems like a steep price as well. Mm-hmm. So that's why I chose the Tua for CD. Yeah, I actually think that Deontay and Amon Ra are going to be pretty close by the end of this season. So I, I would not make that move at all. I personally, Bungalow Joe, I would not make any of these trades. I would mm-hmm. actually stand pat with Lamar and Tua for the time being. I think you can get better trade offers mm-hmm. coming out of this because there's nothing that stands out to me and says you absolutely have to do this. But if I if I was going to pick one out of this group, it would be Tua for CeeDee Lamb. I think CeeDee Lamb will benefit from Michael Gallup coming back in. And again, we talked about Tua at the beginning of the episode. We think he's going to come down to earth just a little bit. So I had to pick one. It's that, but I would actually yep. stand pat. Yeah. Or, I mean, or you could just maybe counter with uh, Tua for St. Brown, since this is a one QB. You've already got Lamar. So it's not like you need uh, another uh, you know, top flight quarterback necessarily on your roster. You just need a guy to be able to fill in for bye weeks. So uh, maybe just uh, a rebuttal uh, with Tua just for St. Brown straight up. See if maybe that gets done. I, I would feel better about that one. Agreed. Fully agreed. I love it. All right. Thank you for letting me dis- derail your train there at the end. I just want to make sure. We no, no. That one in. We are here for the people. This is this is what we live for, giving out advice like this. And to be able to help someone in real time, that's what it's all about. So. Um, yeah, thank you, Bungalow Joe, for jumping in the chat there and um, asking us that question. That's great. Um, but yeah, that that's the end of the show. So we will be getting out of here. Uh, go out, give us a rate and review, five stars, subscribe to us on YouTube, all that fun stuff that you should be doing or have done anyway. Um, be a friend of the show. Just do that sort of stuff. <laughs> Good luck on your week three performances everyone make sure to take your uh your guys out of the uh thursday night players out of your flex and then or don't or live dangerously or live dangerously yeah well it's it's your team do what you want but you know it's a head move it gets in the head of your opponent you know you can do that too yeah absolutely but yeah good luck everyone until next week keep drinking and talking fantasy football cheers ffers Gotcha.